0: Well, we are finishing up our 20-some week series in the book of First Timothy. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, it's one of the primary tools that you bring along to church. If you don't have one, we've provided a few. Turn to First Timothy chapter 6. And uh, for those of you who might be a little struggling to find it, it is in the back, towards the back page 994 and these are paul's final words that he is communicating to his his son in the faith timothy timothy was a young man probably his his 20s maybe his early 30s at at the most and paul is like a spiritual father to him And he is saying, listen, I've left you behind in Ephesus. Your job is to kind of uh, raise up people, present them matured in in Jesus Christ. And you're going to come along a lot of stuff. And one of the things that Timothy found is that there were people in the church that were being divisive. There, There was a total mess. There was a lot of spiritual immaturity, just plain old immaturity going on in the church. And this is at the very end The very end. And Paul says this, starting at verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Oh Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and the con- contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, for by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. So what Paul is doing, is he has just written this, this, this powerful letter to young Timothy. And he's told him about how to structure... First he talks about what is the gospel, and just says, man, guard that deposit. That, don't let anything taint the gospel. Make sure your message is pure then structure your church in such a way that it is protected that that gospel is absolutely protected have elders have deacons make sure everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing within this family of faith this household the buttress of truth but then he ends on this wonderful subject that everybody loves to hear about as for the rich And most of you in here are going, well, it's not a sermon for me. Have you seen my W-2? I'm a college student. All I work off is babysitting money. I work at Camp Manitoba, for goodness sake. Right? And you're going, Have you, do you know what I get paid? Yeah. Not much, right? And so you're going, okay, As for the rich. You're going, all right, we'll see you next week. Because this does not apply to me. But the reality is, is that it does. It does apply to you. And some of you just need, need to hear this. There, there is a website called um, something to do with Global Rich. And you can't see this very clearly, but I typed in there $2,000. How many of you get paid around that staff, Manitoko staff? Around $2,000-ish. uh, for the whole summer not a week yeah okay (laughs) pay raise right there Uh, so you you get paid around that and if you don't you make it up in babysitting in your uh, your other months of the year okay so two thousand dollars let's say that all you make this year is two thousand dollars here in north america did you know that you are in the top 17 almost 18 percent of the most wealthy in the world By making $2,000, you are in the top 18% of the most wealthy in the world. You're rich. It applies to you. This website also goes on to say, the top 10% of the most wealthy in the world are those people who make $25,000 $25,000 a year. If you make $25,000 a year, you are in the top 10% of the world's wealth. 25, you're rich. You're wealthy. The top 5% of the world is $33,700 that is the top five percent the top one percent is if you make forty seven thousand five hundred dollars this room is made up of wealthy people whether you believe it or not so this text applies to us today we are wealthy and if you are don't think of yourself as wealthy We've got some attitude changes. I am willing to bet that those of you this morning who work at Camp Manitowoc, how many of you, honestly, who have worked here before, can say the vast majority of the money that you have made during the summer has been spent by the end of the summer? honestly. Thank you. One honest person. I've had numerous conversations with summer staff going, I I have hardly any cash left. I go thrifting on stuff that I don't need. I go out to eat almost every Sunday. I go out to eat every night. I go and buy this gadget and this thing iTunes, I spend more money on iTunes during the summer. I buy this, I buy that. We've got a problem. And, and I'll get off the, the Manitoba boat for a little bit. I have a problem. Just ask my wife. When, when it comes... Okay, don't ask her, because she'll be too honest. When it comes to our wealth, we love wealth our stuff. We work hard for our stuff. We work hard for the money. We put it away in the bank and we are entitled to do with that money what we feel that we should do with it. Whether it be buying clothes from the buckle, go to Sears. Hardly any of us wear rough skins or Wranglers anymore, right? Except for Ken. You know? We've got to wear the best of this. We've got to have the best of that. You know, I, I look at our yearly combined income and go, okay, why is it that t- there are times that we have a hard time paying this or paying that or being generous? What What's up with that? We're in the top, top 1%. Our nation for as a whole is in the top 1% of wealth in the world, but we struggle with our finances. What is wrong with that? And Paul is constantly asking this question. We hear it also in James. We hear it in Revelation. This struggle with wealth and riches. Jesus talks about it. He talked about the rich young ruler. And Jesus says, truly I say to you, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. There's also times where Jesus instructed his, his followers and he said to them, sell your possessions and give to the poor, give to charity. Just give it away. He also says in Luke 14, So therefore, no one can be my disciple who does not give up all of his possessions. All that he owns. Matthew 6, You cannot serve God and mammon and wealth and money. It's either one or the other. James 5, read James 5 sometimes. James, just... Rails on the rich. In Revelation, John depicts the judgment that's going to happen to the wealthy. He says to this, And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying crying aloud, Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew richer by her wealth. In a single hour, she has been laid Waste. And in 1 Timothy 6. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful deceits which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. So is it possible to be a good, godly person and to be rich? Is it possible? I hope so. Because we're all rich by the world's standards. So here's our theme this morning that just needs to be flushed out. Our theme is this. To be good and rich, we must, be, must aim to be rich in God. To be good and rich, the only way to make it is to be rich first and foremost, in God. Being rich in God is a Jesus phrase. It's His words. Jesus Jesus warns people and says, so it is with a man who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. The only way to be both good and rich is to strive to work hard Towards God. First and foremost with everything that we do. Paul shows us four simple ways. To be rich towards God. And the first one is this. To be rich towards God. We have to guard against the danger of riches. The danger of riches. Paul says... I want to charge you to do this. I'm I'm instructing you. I'm giving you a firm command about how to live your life. And if you see in verse 17, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. This haughty person is a very proud person. And it's often when we have this attitude of, I have, I've, I've received, where we have a tremendous amount of pride and attention focused on me. It's all, look what I've achieved, what I've got, look what's in my account. You might not tell people, but you have it. It tends to be those folks, and I'm talking about me too, that are not Generous. You, right now this summer, if you don't live in the the Lincoln Way area, this is an extremely wealthy area. Extremely. Take a tour. Drive around. Extremely wealthy. Huge homes. Some of which have huge bankrolls. Well, I'll tell you on the inside many of them are empty are empty We have got to be people who are not proud with what we have but understand that these things are all just gifts from god first and foremost everything that you have everything that you wear everything that's in your pocket everything that you packed in your car and your trunk and brought to camp everything that's hidden away back at home all those things are gifts from god they're not even yours in the first place and for us to be proud to say look at what i got look at my stuff is an issue of pride and we've been sucked into the allurement of stuff. We all have. And Paul says, listen, we've got to check your attitude. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says this. What do you have that you did not receive? But if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? God has given us all that we have. Like Job in the days of old, it could all be taken away in a day. If we want to be rich toward God, we need to repeatedly, constantly repent of our pride. We also have to guard ourselves against trusting in riches instead of God. He says, command those who are rich, To not focus on the riches, but on God. Riches don't do you much in the life to come. Riches don't do you much today for the life to come. I'm looking forward to hearing more Of a story that's over here. Of Stephen and Grace. I'm sure you don't want much attention. But that's okay. Just hearing that. They're spending a summer. As a married couple. Serving. Before leaving everything behind. To go serve somewhere else. It's not a life of pride. Look at what we got. Man we got to. Before we go and serve. We got to. Work on our bankroll. Instead, what it is, is let us just serve. Because these are all gifts from God. So our first thing is that we've got to make sure that we are right with God. Because if we're not, your future is not set. The only way to be right with God is to turn from your sin in a way, and place your trust fully in Jesus Christ, who's the only substitute that counts. God richly supplies us with everything that we need. Everything. And that is enough. And if we fix our hope on God and Him alone, then we can enjoy everything good. For me, the thing that I need to do is I need to loosen my grip On the things that have been given to me from God. We need to be good stewards of the things that God has allowed us to have. And rightly enjoy them. But we also need to hold them loosely. If God gives you a job. If God gives you a home. How do you hold that stuff? How do you hold, if God gives you children, how do you hold those things? Do you hold them tightly and control them with all your might? Or do you hold them with open hands loosely? Say, God, these are are gifts. How do you want me to use them and shuffle them around for the sake of your kingdom? The resources, God, that you have given me are not for my solely for my enjoyment but they are for your sake for your kingdom and I am to invest in other people completely with my time my talents my treasures I am to take those things that God has given me through Jesus Christ and I am to invest in others for the sake of His kingdom. For the sake of His name. Right here. How am I using these things? Albert Schweitzer said this. If you have something you can't live without, you don't own it. It owns you. What is even something... This summer, that you cannot live without. Starbucks, right here. I'm not sure I can live without Starbucks, I'll just be honest with you. It owns me. How about technology? Anybody else? Does it own you and you can't live without it? (laughs) Anything else? What else owns us? Our finances, our time. And we're selfish with these things, and those things own us. And God says, no, 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 no. These are gifts from me to you. Use them for the sake of my kingdom. Don't hoard them and hold them tight where raw moss and rust destroy. But use them for the sake of my kingdom. You're wealthy in time. We all have the same amount of time in a day. Use it for the sake of his kingdom. I don't have time. Maybe you're owned by something else in your day that you need to let go of. We all have, have different means. Financial means, right? Well, I, I, I can't begin to, to give. I can't begin to be generous because you know I've got all this stuff. Really? God has given you all this stuff for the sake of what? His kingdom. Did you know that if the Church of Jesus Christ would step up and be faithful in its using its resources, that the problem with poor water across the world would be alleviated? The churches can't even pay their bills, and the water is terrible, diseased. Just saying. He also goes on in verse 18, and this is the second point, is that we have got to be rich toward God in our good deeds. In our good deeds. We've got to be just extravagant in our good deeds. Rich Christians should be rich in good deeds as evidence of just the gratitude that we have from God that is just pouring out. This week, and this is not a pat on the back, Laura and I have this huge mound of wood chips in our front yard. We ordered way too many. Way too many. But Isaac and I were driving to camp for something. I don't know what. And there's this guy. There's this sign on the corner of... Uh, by commissioner's park and he is up there planting stuff and doing stuff trying to make it look beautiful and all of a sudden I go you know what I have got so much stuff at my house so I pulled over and I said hey my name's Paul hey I'm Steve Steve works uh, regular working guy that lives over just St. Andrew's next door and uh He's part of the Rotary Club, and part of what they do is just good deeds in the community. I said, hey, do you need any wood chips? Yeah, I'd love to have some wood chips. You got a couple bags? I'm going, "Uh, oh, you know, I really was hoping he'd say, can I come over and get, get it? He goes, are, are you able to bring it over here for me? I'm going, dang it. <laughs> it is hot and sweaty and been eaten alive by mosquitoes. And then all, all my sermon prep starts kicking me in the head going, be rich in deeds. I said, I'll be right back. Grabbed three big things, garbage things. Went back to my house, filled them full of wood chips. This guy was just beaming. And he said, why, why are you doing this? And I said, well, one, I got too many wood chips at my house. We got to get rid of them. He goes, where are you from? I said, well, my, my wife is the executive, executive director at Camp Manitocla. I'm a pastor. And one of the things that we believe that we've got to do as Christians is just serve people. <sighs> That's so awesome. Christians, rich Christians, are to be rich in their good deeds. Constantly scanning the crowd, saying, oh, I, I heard this, and I'm going to Act. I'm not going to wait for church leadership to go do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go do it. This summer, Manitoba, you are going to have a gajillion kids and you're going to hear a gajillion different needs. And what do you do? Are you going to say, well, good luck, I'll go swim in with you? Or do you find ways to meet needs? Are you, do you store up? a treasure in heaven, by investing in these kids in any way possible. If there are kids that you hear of needs that just cannot be met, you contact Nathan, my wife, me, and we will make sure that needs are met. Because Christians don't just pay bills, send out checks. We serve and we help. And that is a way to guard us from our wealth of using the means that god has given us and sending them on out and by getting our hands dirty that's the call of the church the third thing to be rich towards god we must be generous and ready to share ready to share in and out of season. Romans 8.32 says this, He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? God freely gave, generously, he was ready to share His Son. And how did He do it? The most extravagant way. God was ready to share and He gave us salvation. He gave us the best gift. And in the same way, what we are called to be generous and ready to share. Not just when there's a guilt trip sermon that comes out. It's like, oh, okay, I'll write the check. Here's my five dollars. Or a dollar. Where as a kid when I was in church my dad passed down the quarters, so I had something to put in the metal plates. But we we recognize where generosity comes from. It comes first and foremost from God. And out of that that gratitude and love we are so ready to share. So ready to share. And I'll share a very quick story of a, a young couple that went to our church. They made nothing. They were just, just got out of college. They came to our church for about a year and a something, and they, they literally they made money, they paid the bills. They made money, they paid the bills. They also gave as much as they could. But this kid said, "Paul, you know I feel bad." I want to give so much more. They moved away. Probably about three or four months later, we got a beautiful check. Saying, you know what? You invested in my life as a church. Here's a gift. Please don't send a thank you. Okay. Generous and ready to share no matter what, no matter what the time. Part of the thing is that uh, our motives are wrong, our hearts are wrong, and we're not ready to share. And sharing means giving away to others. It's not sharing with me. You're sharing with others. Because we've been caught up with consumerism. All things are wrong. A lot of us are sloppy and impulsive managers of God's resources. We spend money that we don't have on junk that we don't need. On clothes that just kind of go in the closet, further on in the back, and shoes galore, and food that just makes us fat. Welcome to my club. So let me put this bluntly, and as carefully as I can, but as bluntly as I can. If you're in debt because of your needs... Or you're a sloppy, impulsive manager. Then you don't have money to spend on entertainment and meals out. And you're not giving above 10% to the Lord's work. And you don't have money to spend on non-essentials like A new TV, a new phone, a new this, a new that. And maybe you're just not ready to share. And maybe God needs to capture your heart. So how much are we supposed to give? And I'm not a big tithe pusher. Because I think that's too easy. You know, kind of do the, t- well, I make $35,000, 10%. All right, I'm only going to give gross $35,000 a year or 3500 35000 is good too. $3,500 a year. That's it. That's easy enough. I've done my duty checklist, bada bing, bada boom. But I think C.S. Lewis says it better. He says, I do not believe I can settle how much you ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditures on comfort, luxuries, amusements, etc. are up to the standards common among others with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. He's saying, "Look look at the world around you. Now, you've been saved by grace. You're different. You've been saved by the grace of God, found through Jesus Christ and on the cross. Your life should just be marked with generosity and gratitude and love and a heart for the world and His kingdom and seeing people saved from the wrath of God and just falling in love with Jesus and you are willing to do whatever. But if your life is the same as an unsaved person, there, you're doing the exact same luxuries, the exact same amusement, the exact same this, the exact same that. And you're no different than the rest of the world. Well, then maybe something's wrong. And it goes for all of us in here. So the last thing. To be rich toward God, we need to focus on the reality of eternity verse 19 says thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of what truly is truly life we are investors in the future not in our retirement we are to be investors in the future the kids that are downstairs, we as a church are stewards of these kids and we give to the church. We give in every way possible. We give of our time, our talents, our treasures to invest in them for the sake of the future. We give towards our community. Why? For the sake of their spiritual future. Not just their financial security but for their future. Are your resources that God has entrusted you with, are they for the sake of the future of people or for the security of your little kingdom? You want to talk, if, if you ever get into premarital, or if you want to see that if this guy or this girl is really the one for you and you've got a heart for God's kingdom go right for the jugular, start talking about how much are we going to give away? Or ask them, so how is your financial giving to the church and God's causes? Well, I'm not doing anything. Well, honey, I'm not sure you're the one for me. Because your heart isn't for God and His kingdom. Ladies, if He's not giving now, the chances of Him giving later are even slim er because he's also going to have more toys more kids more diapers he's going to then be in charge of his own little kingdom called a house and the fact of him giving away more than no this is heart for the kingdom of god it's her heart for the kingdom of god your heart for the kingdom of God and laying up treasures for the future. For what truly is life. Anything you invest in this life can be taken from you. What was her name? Crystal um, came to Nathan before worship because she's got friends and family down in DeMont. And I just heard this when she came up. DeMott was hit by a tornado. Things can be taken away. East Coast has been hit by tornadoes. We've seen it in Missouri hit by tornadoes. Things can be taken away just like that. Anything you invest in eternity is secure in the bank of heaven. And I hope that you get that. Because that's where it's all at. And finally, he ends it in verse 20. O oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid irreverent babble and contradictions. Because there's some people who have just totally swerved. They shipwrecked their faith. They're a mess. And then he ends with grace to you. Guard the deposit. Guard the deposit that's been entrusted to you. And grace be to you. It's a warning. He appeals to Timothy to guard the deposit which God has entrusted to him. And Paul is saying, listen, the deposit of the gospel, as well as the spiritual gifts that God has given to you, are a gift. The good news of Jesus Christ is a gift to you which you are to give to other people. The spiritual gifts that you have been given are gifts from God. Use them for the sake of the kingdom. You have been entrusted with them. You are a steward of the gospel. If your business is not about the gospel work, Paul is saying, hello, it's about the gospel. if your time and your talents and your treasure aren't about the gospel work, Paul's going to say, hey, guard the deposit that's been entrusted to you and share it generously. Because my hope is that at the end of my life, the end of my family's life, that we are going to be able to stand before Jesus. And he's going to say, Paul, What have you done with the gifts that I've given to you? What have you done with the gift of your marriage? What have you done with the gift of your children? What have you done with the gift of your time? Your talents? Your financial treasures? What have you done with my church? My prayer is that when I stand before Jesus and I see Him face to face in all of His glory, my soul is laid bare, that Jesus is going to say to me, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. My prayer is that for you too. That as you hear the gospel of God's generosity and His grace poured out to you, that it impacts your heart in such a way that it propels you into mission, God's mission. That you boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ without any shame, because you're a steward of that, that gospel. That as you interact with children and co-workers and people that you rub arms with, that you are a good steward with the gospel and you use all that you have for the sake of His kingdom. That as you get married and have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and if you're lucky, great-great-grandchildren. I don't know if anybody lives that long, but modern technology, somehow they'll keep us alive. That you can look down the line and you can say, Man, Jesus is in all of this. And I can I can die with confidence today. Knowing that I can hear my Savior say. Paul, welcome home. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Let's pray.